Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you were watching the news this week along with myself, then you notice the government found itself in the news this week in a way that has a somewhat familiar ring. Now it's rare for me to open up with anything related to governments or politics. When we say we are all welcome at All Saints, what we really mean is that Democrats are welcome, <laughs> Republicans are welcome, Libertarians, Socialists, Independents, and even the non-registered voters all belong right here. So please take a deep breath. I'm not going to request that you vote a certain party unless, unlike the former ministers of my long ago youth. This week, Senator Dianne Feinstein, the US Senator from California, a centrist Democrat and champion of liberal causes who was elected to the Senate in 1992 and broke gender barriers throughout her long career in both local and national politics died. She was 90. And another government shutdown was averted last night with three hours to spare. But the stopgap measure only offers a six-week delay as the next shutdown is scheduled to happen November 11th after the election. It's rare to hear a story about a government leader that speaks to their good character or to their humility. It's not the fodder of a news rating. But those stories exist, and I discovered one. Sam Rayburn served as the 43rd Speaker of the House of Representatives in the United States Congress for 17 years, a position of great power and influence. He was an early supporter of the civil rights movement. And we know as the Speaker of the House, he was third in the line of succession to the presidency. One day, he found out that the teenage daughter of a reporter friend had died tragically. Early the next morning, Sam Rayburn knocked on the door of this reporter's home. When the door opened, Rayburn asked if there was anything he could do. The friend stammered and said, I, I, I don't think there's anything you can do. We're, we're making all the arrangements. Well, have you had your coffee this morning? Rayburn asked. Well, uh, no, I, I haven't had time, said the grieving father. Well, the Speaker of the House replied, I can at least make the coffee. As the reporter watched this powerful man make him a cup of coffee, he remembered something. Mr. Speaker, I thought you were supposed to be having breakfast at the White House this morning. Well, he replied, I was. But I called the president and told him I had a friend who was in trouble and I just couldn't come. Sam Rayburn turned down breakfast with the President of the United States to make coffee for a grieving reporter. Great humility seldom makes the news. He did not let his wealth, his power, or the expectations of, either the, of even the President of the United States get in the way of humble service.
The passage from Philippians is dear and tender, yet offers a powerful message about those who speak that speaks to who we are and who God is and where our humility is grounded. The Greek if that opens up the passage is not a question of existence like if the weather is nice and holds out we'll be able to have our picnic. But rather this if is the Greek word that's an affirmation of a reality that already exists more like we would use the word since or because like in a hypothesis that since we have a choir and since they can sing and since they practice regularly we can expect beautiful dulcet tones each Sunday during our worship. It's a guarantee of what already exists. And Paul is reminding the Christians in Philippi who they are because of who Christ is, something that already exists in their midst. He is calling upon the church at Philippi to take on the humility of Christ and to be imitators of Christ in the world around them, both within the church and outside of its walls. Paul reminds them and reminds the church that in Christ there is encouragement. Sometimes it's, it's just a word, a look, an email, a note these days that says, I believe in you and you can make it. The consolation from love, you know that experience, whether from a dog or perhaps a cat or an animal or even a human of pure devoted care when pain and grief is part of our suffering. It extends from the Holy One who suffered for us and took on human form. Any sharing of spirit beginning by finding and uniting where we have common interests as a first point of contact, then moving deeply into our common mission as an open and affirming congregation that reflects the diversity of Indianapolis with inspiring worship that brings the ancient traditions of Christ's church into a modern world. A place where we offer compassion and sympathy these are the enduring qualities that makes Paul's heart rejoice and makes our hearts rejoice as well. When I visit members of our congregation and then later get an email that others have gone to visit as well, oh, that makes my heart rejoice. When we hear of people encouraging each other to try something new in a ministry or write a note to someone in pain, oh, that makes us all rejoice. When the scriptures write that we have one mind, it is not an invitation to become the Borg of thoughtlessness. Our faith tradition as Episcopalians welcomes, may I say even demands, that we bring our questions to the table and think through things thoughtfully and wrestle with what is difficult. But when the scripture is speaking here about is living into the mindset of God as demonstrated by Christ, of choosing to have the same type of love that Christ demonstrated, not to act out of selfish ambition or that might makes right, but to humbly regard others as better than ourselves, not because we have no sense of self, not out of shame or a lack of self-worth, but knowing that our humility is grounded in the humility that Christ demonstrated, knowing that we are of 
priceless worth to God, and so is the other party. These are the marks of canonic living, the choice to empty out oneself for others. When Jesus emptied out himself, choosing not to grasp equality with God as something that could be his ambition and was his right, he did the opposite of what the story of Adam and Eve demonstrated. He stayed true to the nature of God. He gave the world the reset and the reminder it needed, a reminder established in creation. I would like to say that this way of living is impossible. We can shy away from it, fearing our loss of prestige and power, or we can recognize that what is impossible for us is, impo is possible with God. If we look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he is our example as we strive to become more like him. He was not a power monger, nor was Jesus a doormat. He knew who he was, and he knew his mission. And we are reminded as the passage closes that it is God who is doing this work in us. It is impossible for us to do it alone, but it is more than possible to do it as Christ works within us. God can enable us to have the will and the strength to find that sweet spot in a way of life where our hearts are open and love continues to flow. May God enable us to continue this tradition at All Saints and to ever expand it in our hearts, in our words, and in our work so that we can bring healing to a world that needs it so much in large, magnificent, and teeny-weeny small ways, even if we have to keep a president waiting while we give someone else a cup of coffee. Amen.